0: Hey everyone, super excited about this podcast, the video, however you're consuming it. I'm sitting down with Julian Tresher, who is the person who's spoken most ever at TED. I think five TED Talks on the TED Global, I think about eight or seven TEDx conversations, viewed over 100 million times across the different platforms. Author, written a book, does incredible talk, how to speak so that people listen, talks about how to listen, talks about sound and how it's influencing our brand. So I'm really, really excited about this talk, and I've I've been waiting a long time to meet and have this conversation with Julian Treasure. I know you're going to enjoy it. What's the logic behind the sound agency? How, How are you thinking about that? Well, the sound
1: agency asks the question, how does your brand sound? Yeah. And brands have now understood that we experience the world in five senses, not just one yeah so it is really important
0: and And the one that most people think about is visual or okay yeah
1: yeah more than 80 percent of marketing money is spent on the eyes yeah and yet we actually have quite even preferences for the way that we engage with the world across the five senses so it's very important not to forget the people who are very oral like me
0: yeah
1: i'm primarily auditory and sound affects me hugely but i'm not Exceptional sound effects, everybody. I'm going to be talking about that tomorrow how yeah. sound affects human beings in four powerful ways, and fundamentally, how this whole conversation about organizations becoming listening organizations is critical, particularly now, because we are facing an audio re- revolution which, you know, the like of which has never been seen before. Smart speakers, wearables, we will be interfacing with the internet using sound. Mm-hmm far more than Completely. Far more than fingers and eyes.
0: People don't realise it yet. And it's going to change massively over the next five years.
1: Absolutely. So the, the challenges for organizations marketing are going to be immense. Yes. Not least because you know, we will have an intelligent agent, I call it, which ultimately will be artificially intelligent, a bit like Jarvis in Iron Man. And so we don't have to worry about apps and booking things directly. No. We have a gatekeeper. And so, Which is
0: whatever device that, you, that listens to your audio. Yeah, so there's yeah. two
1: big questions. One for the marketers, they're going to be marketing to a gatekeeper Yes. because they have to get through that yeah. with my permission. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be about my relationship with brands yeah. and whether I like them and want to let them in. Yeah,
0: as a gatekeeper. And the gatekeeper being Apple, for example.
1: Well, it could be, or it could be or, Google, yeah, or it could Eddie be Rose. Amazon, or it could be Samsung, yeah. or. Uh, it could be any number of people. Hearing aid manufacturers, for example. Yes. Uh, you know, We've done work with GN, who are based here. Um, they've got very, very good wearable technology, very smart wearable technology, and I would mm-hmm. think that that's going to be quite useful in the coming decade. Mm-hmm. So I would expect them to get snapped up by the apples of this world, not for the hearing aid technology, but for the wearable possibilities of a smart thing in your ear that can talk to you and listen to you. So we'll be talking through bone conduction. We'll be listening. Ultimately, it'll get embedded in our skull. And I would, you know, I think in my lifetime, I'll probably see that as a commonplace thing. I mean, I met, uh, at TED, I met, what's his name? The human cyborg, whose name I cannot, oh, um, it'll come back to me. But he has a, a plate embedded in his skull, and he has a light sensor hanging in front of his head here. He can't see color. So okay. he's completely colorblind, but he can hear color. Because wow. this sensor scans the visual light spectrum and then pitch shifts it down to audible spectrums and vibrates the plate in the back of his skull. So he hears, through bone conduction, colors. Color.
0: Amazing. Yeah,
1: it, it's, uh, but, but that's, you know, he's weird now, but in I think in 10 or 15 years that won't be strange at all. Uh, we'll be enhancing people in those ways. So, yeah, we will be speaking to the internet, we'll be listening to the internet, we'll be speaking to brands and listening to brands in ways that we aren't now. And brands that don't take that seriously, as part of what I'm going to say tomorrow, could well disappear altogether.
0: And, and just coming back to what you were talking about, so you're talking about gatekeepers as one important um, relationship to build if you have a brand, mm-hmm. so that. Apple, Samsung, whoever it is in the world, allows you to actually interact with the person at the other side who is coming with some kind of voice command. Mm. Is there other parts that's important in building a brand in the future then?
1: Yes, well all of sound, yeah. so not just the sound that will come through devices or the internet in that way, uh, particularly the sound of physical spaces. That's yeah. something that Sound Agency has focused on over the past 15 years. and We've become um, really good at that. We focus on generative soundscapes, which are not recorded, they're created live. What is,
0: what is that, exactly? It's,
1: it's a stream of sound organically created yeah. by a computer okay. in real time. Okay. So it's not recorded. Yeah. Uh, and it creates soundscapes that sound very real. You know, we could recreate the sound of downtown Copenhagen. Yes. Or we can create the sound of a forest or, uh, you know, a, a rainforest or a jungle or yeah. a beach or whatever it might be, or completely new soundscapes that you've never come across before. And we've been doing that in retail with great success for a decade or more now, putting sales up, mm-hmm. because if you make a place more pleasant to be in, you increase what the retailers call dwell time. Yeah. And that's a straight line related to sales. And dwell time is what exactly? How long you stay in a place. How long you stay in the place, yeah. which equals sales. And a, really you know, it, 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 if it's you don't want to be obvious- there it's
0: clear, you're not going to buy a
1: lot. It's yeah. very obvious if you turn it around the other way, like it would be crazy <laughs> to have a terrible smell in the shop. Yeah. It's crazy to have terrible sound in a shop, Yes. and yet so many shops have terrible sound. Bad sound systems, inappropriate music, fast-paced. Yes, if which is the If sound opposite is thing. fast, it makes us move faster and leave faster.
0: And I would think, if I had to think out loud, I would think that casinos have, are better at this than others, well, thinking through
1: it. Probably, I mean, they're, they're into sensory deprivation, <laughs> uh, so there's no light in casinos. Yeah. They pump extra oxygen in to keep you awake. Mm -hmm. uh, And they have cacophony of beeps and also fictitious, you know, so-and-so just won a million dollars coming over the sound system. It's made up very often. Uh, So we don't deal with that kind of abuse of sound. I think that's that's manipulative. What we're into is just in the same way if you think about architecture or color, we're into making places beautiful, making places appropriate. And no, so it's the people same thing. feel comfortable. Absolutely. Makes uh, perfect sense. People always say is this manipulative, you know, is this subliminal? No, it's no more subliminal than white paint on the walls, which makes you feel comfortable sure. and it's a nice, clean, neutral way to be. So um, generative sound is something we've proven and now we've launched it for the office environment, which I'm very excited about, with our new moodsonic division, uh, which is just happening right now, um, and that is sound to enhance well-being and productivity in open plan offices, which are problematic for sound. Noise is the number one complaint in modern offices, Yes, millions of people are having their lives blighted by not being able to concentrate when they're trying to do focus work in an environment where they can hear everybody talking.
0: But it makes perfect sense, I mean, we have music that makes us happy, we have music that makes us sad, and you've mm-hmm. got to be in a specific state when you're working, right? Whether yes. that's loud or not loud, or especially music is, you know, not, it makes a lot of sense. Just going back to the retail, or for that matter, any business, what is the percentage of businesses in the world that you think are conscious about thinking about sound?
1: Well, that would be a wild guess. I'd still say it's the minority. Yes. Um, but having said that, the audio branding industry is growing very fast internationally. I can imagine. Uh, we have a kind of fellowship of it based in Germany. Okay. Um, And there are members now in India, in South America, in Russia, uh, all over the place. Lots in America, lots across Europe, uh, the UK and Germany, and in Denmark as well. So it's becoming de rigueur now. It's very different from how it was 10 years ago. We've made great strides. And I think many, many large brands now take it seriously. So if we're doing a rebranding, what about sound? They say that now, whereas before it was unthought of.
0: But I think, back to where you were coming from earlier, in terms of the, how much sound is going to mean going forward, I, I think we've seen nothing yet. Nothing,
1: no, it's massive. I mean, I think, again, what I'm going to say tomorrow <clears throat> is that in this world of an avalanche, a tidal wave of content coming to us all the time, you know, it's, it's the, the FOMO is massive now. Yes. Everybody has it. You know, you get people lying in bed checking their email and so forth, not to mention social media. What people need more than anything else now is trusted guides. Mm -hmm. That's the role of brands in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think brands will become the stars of the virtual universe where they attract content around them Mm -hmm. or make it. And we're already seeing that. Look at what Amazon are doing right now. Um, And Apple. You know, Apple make computers? No, they make content now. Uh, And they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars on making content when they have a cash pile of two and a half billion dollars or something, so why not? If you can make the content, that's brilliant. If you're not into that, you can gather content. Yeah. And there are lots of ways of doing it at much, much lower cost than Apple are. Uh, Podcasting, for example, is the fastest growing form of marketing in America. Mm -hmm. And it's hugely successful because we love to listen. Radio is still booming in a world of media fragmentation. Radio is doing really well.
0: I listen to YouTube way more than I watch. And because I, I think I don't think you can do it if you have a YouTube subscription you can actually turn your computer on like lock mode and you can actually just have your or your phone sorry lock mode and you can put it in your pocket and you can just listen to it. So I use YouTube as a podcasting mm. environment.
1: Mm. Yes, I think a lot of people use YouTube in that way for music as well. Yeah. It's ostensibly a video medium, but actually mainly for audio i think a lot of the time that's true and there are so many ways you can get audio now but we love that because you can do something else while you're listening yes you can drive you can have a bath you can do the ironing you know whatever it is whereas when you're using these and these you're locked in yeah that's it you can't do anything else
0: can you mention an so i'm curious about because this is so fascinating you're thinking about something that is you're thinking a lot about that i think a lot of brands and people are not can you give an example of a retailer, for example, because that's easy to understand? A retailer you've worked with, and some of the things you did with them, and where they came from and where you end, they ended up.
1: Well, we've we're halfway through a huge project with Majid Al Futtaim at is? the moment. Which um, is the Middle East's one of the Middle East's very largest property owners. Okay. Uh, they own, for example, Mall of the Emirates, which many Perth. people will be familiar with. It's one of the biggest shopping malls in the world. Yes. Uh, we've sonified the entire of Mall of the Emirates, including the ski slope. And when you say
0: sonified, that means what exactly? We've
1: designed soundscapes okay. for each area, each zone, which are appropriate and also branded. So we worked with them on the core DNA of an audio brand is a sonic logo very usually. Yeah. Something like Intel's da-da-da-da-da, which, yeah. you know, <laughs> which not fun. many people can draw Intel's logo, but no. most people could sing it. It's actually funny, you're absolutely right. And it's worth hundreds of millions of dollars to detail, and they protect that. It's a registered trademark, and it's core to their brand. Uh, So we created a sonic logo for Majid Al-Fatame, and that plays subtly through the soundscapes. You don't hear it every five seconds in in the, the mall. You hear it very gently and very subtly woven into things. So there's a brand always present, and that gives a consistency to the experience for the eyes, for the ears, uh, they've worked on fragrance as well, so they're serious about multi-sensory. Do you think about, uh, you
0: have to think about everything in what you do, but do you work on other sensory inputs, or is it primarily sound that you work with? We're all about sound. You're all about sound, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, clues in the name, the sound agency. Yes, but we work with fragrance people yeah. quite often, and we've worked also with texture people too. Yeah. So we did a wonderful job in Colombia uh, a few years ago for a, a, a bank where they redesigned their retail completely, with new colors, new logos, new name even, Um, textures, scents, uh, they came up with a fragrance which was a sort of branded fragrance which they expressed in sweets on the tables in bottled water, uh, and in subtle fragrance which was in the cleaning product, so the the branches got refragranced all the time. We provided sound, um, including there were hypersonic loudspeakers projecting the sound of rainforest onto a kind of tree sculpture. Uh, which is very much, you know, coming. I'm becoming
0: conscious now of the aircon. Yep, Maybe HVAC. we can
1: turn off that off. Um, HVAC is very common. Uh, unfortunately, used a great deal. <sighs> used as masking sound in many offices. But, you know, when, <laughs> when, it, when it goes off at six o'clock, everybody goes, oh, thank goodness. And they haven't noticed it all day. It's been stressing them.
0: And it does stress because I, I have in my bathroom, I have uh, one of the new Google Hop Max displays. And I don't know why, but it's given electrical sound, Mm. and I probably should fix that. But I've heard from several people, actually, that does give you stress. So that thing that doesn't actually bother you directly that much actually bothers you a lot.
1: We're very good at habituating to constant sound. We can can dismiss and we stop listening to it actively. But I'm convinced there's a part of your brain that's going, I'm not listening to that. I'm still not listening to that. You know, there's work going on to ignore it and it does tire you out, it fatigues and stresses. Yeah. And actually there's plenty of research now which we've been doing with MoodSonic, which is built on a lot of the research about biophilic sound. Biophilic sound, the sound of nature, Okay. fundamentally wind, water, birds. Yeah. have been on this planet a lot longer than we have and it is now being discovered that it's actually good for us. So that is the direction to go in for sound, for example, in an office. It's natural, it's easy, it's very simple to ignore it because it's we've grown up to it you know hundreds of thousands of years of evolution the birds have been singing and we feel comfortable with that so do it doesn't distract us and it's very good at masking conversation particularly water sound do you
0: think there's something like birds um, uh, um, the, the sound of a bird equals there's no predators because birds tend to get scared and fly away mm. do you think there is an evolutionary
1: connection between yeah, these two yeah, things yeah, I absolutely do I think most people feel secure when the birds are singing yeah and it's also nature's alarm clock yeah time to be awake and alert so it's very good for being in a working state feeling physically relaxed and comfortable mentally alert it's an extremely good sound to work to so you know tip for anybody um listening to this or looking yeah. at this if you've got a noisy office and you can't get away from it and there's nothing you can do about it you could pop some headphones on play bird song it's the best thing to play music may be very nice yeah but it's replacing one distraction yes. with another distraction because most music is made to be listened to mm-hmm. and it is therefore very distracting
0: and it's fascinating because i find that as soon as i listen to something that has lyrics my brain starts to want to sing along with those yeah. lyrics and try to predict what is coming next and it actually takes up a lot of brain power absolutely if if i ran a small business or even a big business for that matter and you know i wanted to get started on thinking about sound for my business so let's take President summit for example how would I start? Th- where would I start? Like, What was the first thing I should think about?
1: We always start with an audit. Yeah, We come and listen to the brand and assess where it is right now. Yeah. Every brand, I always say this, I don't know if I'm saying this tomorrow actually, um, the bad news is because I, after I talked to sound about sound enough, marketing directors or CEOs go, oh, okay, well maybe we'll do sound next year. Yeah. Unfortunately, you're already, already doing, doing sound. Doing yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just not designed, it's not <laughs> controlled, it's accidental. It's the exhaust gas of what you're doing. Yes. And it's probably shooting you in the foot. So the first thing to do is to look at what sound is happening and probably stop some. Yeah. And then it's possible to take the brand, if there's brand architecture, brand values, brand personality, mm-hmm. uh, those kind of core elements to a brand. We look at how can you express that in sound. Yeah. Um, it's sometimes complex, I mean we're, we're working on one right now for a major TV network. Um, you get a long list of adjectives mm-hmm. and you know, you'll know you have exciting at the top and relaxing at the bottom. You go, okay, how do we do this? <laughs> so that's often where you are. But you, So you have to
0: work with them and actually getting a little bit closer to defining what your brand actually is. We need is. to understand
1: the, the, the DNA of the brand mm-hmm. and uh, w- then it comes down to this combination is one of the things I love about this work, the combination of art and science, Mm. brilliant composers and sound designers working to a brief, and that's very exciting to me, Uh, and they come up with incredible things, and usually the problem gets solved. Also, of course, I'm not saying you can design anything and make it work, but association is critical with sound. Once you've got a Sonic logo, and you've played it enough times... Like, you know, the double knock of HBO or um, the Intel one I sang earlier. And that Intel Sonic logo was designed by a guy called Walter Wazawa. He was the first in, so he had an empty piece of paper to work on. And he managed to go first fourth, first fifth, which is the structure of all symphonies and, you know, most great music. Mm -hmm. You go to um, a... uh, you go to an unresolved state, you come yes. back to home, and then you go to a resolved state. So da, 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 that's exactly what that is. It's very simple, it's very powerful, and he got it first.
0: Ben actually talks about the same thing from a symphony perspective. Yes, yeah. yes,
1: yes. Well, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Ben yeah. tomorrow. Um, he was wonderful being interviewed for my book, and I was in the room when he did his famous TED talk.
0: Oh, yeah, so like, 10 years fun. ago or so. Yeah, yeah. Amazing talk as well. Mm. Um, So, okay, so so you go and you do a sound audit, you try to understand what the brand is about.
1: Create some DNA and Mm -hmm. then express it, you know, ask, where do you need this expressed? You know, what are the expressions that will work for you? It might be spaces, you might have retail, you might have showrooms, you might have offices, you might have corporate receptions, Mm -hmm. all sorts of places like that. You might have trucks that need to be looked at. You know, every aspect of sound needs to be considered. Internet, podcasting, advertising, of course. Brand voice, something that many brands don't think about. You do a sound
0: audit. You try to understand what the brand is about.
1: Create some DNA and Mm -hmm. then express it. You know, ask where do you need this expressed? You know, what are the expressions that will work for you? It might be spaces. You might have retail. You might have showrooms. You might have offices. You might have corporate receptions. Mm -hmm. All sorts of places like that. You might have trucks that need to be looked at. You know, every aspect of sound needs to be considered. Internet, podcasting, advertising, of course brand voice, something that many brands don't think about. I got quite frustrated today. Uh, do I want to be mean? Well, I'll name the brand. We flew here on Norwegian. And I tried to phone them up about four times today for various reasons. And on the UK number at least, you hear... <coughs> Excuse me one moment. <coughs> I'm assuming we could edit this. <laughs> <coughs> That's fine. <coughs> On the UK phone number, you yeah. go through four different male voices in quick succession. The first one says, hello, or hi. The second one says, we're experiencing high call volumes, which everybody puts in there now as a matter of course, yeah. to excuse their slow answering. That was um, like
0: when they, when, when they say the plane is delayed because it arrived late, it's yeah. like, yes, yeah. I get it.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, then, then there's a third one. Then there's a fourth one. They're all different people yeah. with different accents speak at different paces, one of them is a machine, but three are real people have been recorded. None of them are professional. And I'm asking, what does this say about the brand Norwegian Air, which is, is a brand I like. Yeah, We've flown it to America. I think they're doing an amazing job. It's a very interesting business. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Every brand needs to have some consistency in the way it expresses itself. And phone conversations are critical for that, particularly if you're going to be a kind of virtual brand and exist on the web and give people a phone number to phone. So you need to have, what is our voice? Is it old or young? Is it masculine or feminine? Is it lively and excited? Is it laid back and calm? Is it a bit cheeky or is it very formal and polite? What's the brand? And then brief people, this is who we are. So you're not trying to create robots, but you're trying to create some consistency so that you don't have somebody who's wildly lively, lively the first time and then somebody who's completely depressed the second time. You, you have some consistency. Do we have an accent? I mean, I got a Scandinavian accent and I was expecting that. So, you know, that was good once I got through to a real person. Uh, so that's a really important consideration, brand voice. What is our actual voice? Not tone of voice, but the actual voice you will hear. But it's
0: fascinating, I guess airlines, also on the plane, don't necessarily think enough about what they communicate and how they communicate it. No,
1: I mean the plane is, what, 50, 80 million pounds to create yeah. or dollars. And they can't afford a good sound <laughs> system for some reason. They have rubbish <laughs> loudspeakers, telephone handsets that people talk through. We had to save the last thousand bucks. <laughs> and, you know, the, and the volume is always, it's so quiet you can't hear them, or it's so or loud it's- you jump out of your skin as soon as they start talking. So there is scant attention paid. I doubt there's much training in using the equipment. The equipment itself is very poor. Although, you know, the script is clear, you get the same thing every single time.
0: But it's so fascinating how much money and how much time and energy goes into the visual brand and how much, like I had it recently when I was flying, I think I was playing British Airways or so, and on the way out, like I, I, I was wearing way too much clothes, I had to take it off. And on the way back, I couldn't wear enough clothes to keep me warm. Mm. And, I, and I went to them and said like, I'm fascinated by this. Do you not have a particular temperature that you runs it? No, there's no British airways temperature. Unbelievable. It should be like, it's 22 and a half, like whatever yeah. the temperature yeah, is, yeah. like totally. don't let every person define it because somebody totally. just likes it
1: hot or cold. Totally. So that's part of the brand consistency, yeah. isn't it? The temperature, the air freshness, the fragrance, the, the way the crew speak to you. And do you
0: think people oversimplify? Or do you think they're lazy to be rude for a second that they don't think about these things? Like why is it that people don't care about all these things? I mean, just using the airline, for example, I, it's just unbelievable they don't think about, you know, the sounds they're pushing
1: out. This is what I mean by being a listening organization. Yeah. and in that sense i'm using the word listening to indicate all the senses it's being aware being conscious actually listening to what's going on around you sensing everything and if you start to do that you know if the if the management of an airline go onto their planes with blindfolds on and experience the way it sounds they can start to take that on unfortunately that has not been the way that many organizations run so that's what I'm talking about tomorrow is becoming a listening organization.
0: It would actually be fascinating taking back what you said, like talking about what you said before, which is bird sounds make you relaxed. Mm. A lot of people are anxious to fly in planes. Yeah. I wonder if there's a good combination there.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, gentle Chopin or something. Ben would have yes. some very good choices on that, which can calm you down and relax you. That kind of gentle music. Absolutely. Same thing in waiting rooms in hospitals and in doctors and in dentists. The research now shows that gentle, relaxing sound lowers people's heart rate, lowers their blood pressure, and creates better outcomes, actually. If you use it pre-op, you get better outcomes. You can use less anesthetic.
0: And marketing has existed for, you know, I guess hundreds of years, if not thousands, depending on how you define it. Why is it that nobody's thought about this to this degree before?
1: That's a great question. I think we have gone deaf um, over a long period of time. Uh, Partly from the invention of writing, 4,000 years ago. You know, we've been using complex language for, what, 100,000, 150,000 years. Mm -hmm. Writing just 4,000 years. And yet it's really overtaken speaking and listening. We don't teach speaking in school. We don't teach listening in school. We don't test it. These things are taken for granted. People think hearing and listening are the same. They're not. And because the world has got increasingly noisy, I think we have gone very numb in that sense. So that's, you know, if I describe myself as anything these days, I call myself a sound evangelist because that's what I'm really doing, is bringing this back and getting people to listen, to open their ears and to experience the richness, the glory, the horror of the sound that's around them. And that means you can take responsibility for the sound that you create as a person and as an organization. And you can take responsibility for the sound you consume as a person and as an organization.
0: And you have done a very well-received TED Talk uh, on how to speak so people listen. How do you connect those two things?
1: Well, speaking and listening are just sound. I mean, that's that's where I went with this. We started out talking about organizational sound. Mm -hmm. You know, I've done five TED Talks. And eight TEDx talks I think now. Um, the most
0: viewed ever, at least the most, the person who's spoken the most times, one of the m- most viewed TED speakers ever?
1: Yeah, I think that how to speak talk has been, is number six of all times. Yeah, like that. but
0: aggregately I guess across all of them you must be one of the most
1: viewed yeah, people. Yeah, I don't know, I've never, never <laughs> added it up, but there aren't many people with five, that's true and yeah. I'm very honored that that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, TED has been wonderful for me, I love TED. Um, so it moved from talking about sound and organizational sound and you know big picture sound then really I I started focusing on listening because I realized it comes down to individuals ultimately organizations are run by people and if those people are not listening then the organization is not going to listen so the third TED talk was five ways to improve your listening skills or something like that which incidentally has been seen about one-fifth as often as the speech about how does talking. <laughs> so we are much keener on sending than we are on receiving you know that's a cultural thing as well so there's this imbalance you've got the eyes winning over the ears and you've got sending winning over receiving and both of those things mean that listening becomes a very very low priority unfortunately
0: we had uh met one of the biggest private equity owners in the world. Well, he started the biggest private equity firm called GPG and I got to spend a little bit of time with him. I guess he's in his seventies now. And you know, I, I asked him a lot about his success and he said that I'll listen until people are done speaking mm. and then I'll make a decision. He mm. said, look, if I speak first, everybody's gonna say exactly what I wanna hear. But by actually waiting and just listening, I'll do that. Mm.
1: So important. Listening leadership is an amazing way to be. It's a gentler way and uh, you know a lot of introverts for example are very good at listening much better at listening but we prioritize this kind of table thumping out there loud you know confident style of leadership very often why do we i don't know you can ask susan kane that one i don't know i mean that- she's the person who talks about introverts um, it, it, it's just i suppose a competitive world we've mm-hmm. we've lived with competition for a long long time now uh, in the way that we organise our economies and so forth, and to win, you need to be bigger and bolder and so forth, or at least that's the story. Not always the case. Not always the case.
0: But Julian, what if somebody says, "Look, I don't have, I don't have time to listen. I'm, I, you know, this world is competitive, and I got to get going. Like, I don't, I don't have time to listen all the
1: time." Well, that person's probably heading for the rocks, uh, because listening is critical. It's absolutely critical for.
0: But Julian, what if somebody says? look at I don't have I don't have time to listen. I'm I you know this world is competitive and I got to get going like I don't I don't have time to
1: listen all the time. Well that person's probably heading for the rocks. Uh, because listening is critical. It's absolutely critical for success. It's what defines your outcomes, your happiness, effectiveness and well-being are defined by your listening and it is crucial to make the time for it. And any great leader will do that. Uh, even you know if you think about people like well I was just thinking about whether what I said was true, think about Larry Page and Sergey Brin, they're sure. not extroverts, No. completely not. Bill Gates, not an extrovert, absolutely not, the total opposite. Steve Jobs, very confident, mm-hmm. very strong in his views, uh, but I wouldn't have described him, I never met him, but I wouldn't have described him necessarily as a table-thumping extrovert. Um, so. But
0: I know if he was a good listener.
1: Well, I believe he was a good listener because okay. although he very often would tell, you know, you yeah. move the management style, of tell, sell, consult, join, and he was very dogmatic at mm. times. I'm sure every great leader needs to be from time to time. You need to have the confidence to say, okay, this is what we're doing. Sure. Because, you know, I'm going to talk tomorrow about the listening positions of fear and faith. Uh, I'm going to talk about listening positions, mm. places to listen from. Mm. And if you listen from fear, you're not going to achieve what entrepreneurs achieve and what does listening from fear mean it's being worried about what might well we can't do that because what might happen you know this might happen this might happen whereas if you listen from faith take it one bridge at a time let's cross this bridge and go across it and then we'll see where we are it'll be all right you know that faith that things will be okay that i think is core to a lot of great entrepreneurs because they'll take that leap Whereas if you're listening from the fear of what might happen, what might go wrong, you don't take the leap and you end up working for the entrepreneur, not being the entrepreneur. So I'm thinking that in the audience tomorrow, there'll be a lot of people who are that way inclined because they're all running businesses. If you want to grow, if you want to adapt, I start with a a picture of a squirrel. And the purpose of that is to say the squirrel, it's a very successful species. Fast, strong, and flexible. More than that, though, it's listening all the time for danger and for food, for Mm -hmm. danger and for food. Opportunity, threat, opportunity, threat. And in this world, if you're not doing that now, you're running into trouble.
0: So coming back to the CEO who's busy and who says, look, I don't have time for listening. Let's take that to the other extreme. He just sits down and listens to everything everybody has to say. That also probably wouldn't work because he wouldn't have time to, you know, what is too much listening, what is too little? Because yeah, I think have, that's a trade-off we always have.
1: Well, yes, I think you make that judgment call based on the quality of what's being said, really. Yeah. And um, nobody needs to sit and listen to nonsense. Um, however, with discernment, and if you surround yourself with the right team, and you set some organizational ways of working mm-hmm. you know I know many there have been many CEOs who say give me your report on a single sheet of paper for example or you have 10 minutes to mm-hmm. come and tell me what's going on in order to keep it condensed and to keep it to the top line. that's a great trick right there yeah they so don't like, want to get into the detail of what's yes. going on they want to know what how can I help Yeah. what can I do to help you to be more successful that's a really good way of running a business
0: so saying look I'm I'm willing to listen but I do have constraints on the time because I have thousand other things that I have to do as a way to make work. always, always,
1: always do. Absolutely. Are there good ways to listen? Yes, I'll be talking a lot about different ways to listen. Um, I'm going to give them three exercises. I've got a whole set of listening exercises. I'm giving them three tomorrow. Um, Getting some silence in your life is a good thing. A few minutes a day resets your ears and resensitizes you.
0: And silence means you're not looking at a phone, I guess.
1: Yeah. Silence would be sitting quietly and Enjoying silence
0: and you are not using the word meditate here. No,
1: I mean if you want to do that, that's nice too I'm not saying Necessarily start a practice although It's very good to focus on your breathing for example mm-hmm. and listen to your breathing when you're sitting quietly Really the purpose is to let everything settle mm-hmm. recalibrate because silence is your baseline for sound And if you reacquaint yourself with the baseline, then you can understand the dynamics far better. If it's noise, 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 you're in an open plan office, it's 60 decibels all day, everybody's talking, you go dead. You really do.
0: And you're really saying the same thing that I've both tried but also heard from people who are fasting mm. from food, which is once you try to fast, and I've tried you know, just 36 hours at a time, you know, you all of a sudden notice the amount of salt that's in food, mm. the amount of spices that go in there mm. in the same way, yes, but you is. don't notice it if you're just eating chips Absolutely. every day. Absolutely.
1: Uh, you get numbed. Yeah. And in fact, the tendency is to get more and more and more uh, because you go numb to the taste. Um, so. Silence is a good thing. There's an exercise uh, that I will be suggesting to them called Rasa, which is a four-step process in conversation that's very good. Receive, which is look at the person, pay attention, don't do anything else. You know that's critical, and we do so much faux listening, false listening. You know, oh, no, you know, I'm listening to you. No. Yeah or it's the mind listening. up here
0: is wandering somewhere else. Yeah, yeah,
1: or creating your next brilliant bit of dialogue, or whatever yes. it might be.
0: Yeah, I'm constructing what I'm going to say next time right now, but I'm pretending like I'm listening. Exactly. That's not listening. No.
1: So the R is receive. The A is appreciate, little noises and head movements and facial uh, gest- gestures mm-hmm. and facial expressions, which indicate that you're actually listening. Uh, the S is summarize, a very powerful technique. The word so, which is hugely abused these days. What's your name? So, I'm John. Well, you're John because I just asked you? I don't get that. So means this because of that, or this then that. It's a logical sequence. I've seen lots of people, even TED Talks, start with somebody coming on stage and saying, so. And it's become a habit. It's a very, very important word. It summarizes, it closes doors in the corridor of a conversation.
0: Because you're really saying like, I'm gonna leave the stuff, now it's about what I wanna say. So we've agreed this. Yeah.
1: Now let's move on to that. So it's a it's a, an encapsulating word. It summarises yeah. something. Or, or so what I've understood you to say is this. So you can summarise back to somebody and check in to make sure you've actually heard them. Then the uh, the last day is ask questions all the way through, open ended questions: why, why, what, how, when, who, which, and so forth, where, uh, so that you get more information out. That you're you're alive to the whole conversation. You're showing you're interested and you're teasing out the things that particularly are useful to you, Rasa. And then the third exercise is listening positions, which we just talked about, places to listen from. Most people get stuck in one and don't even realize they're there, and there are many. So that's a very powerful exercise, to be able to move to a different listening position, depending on what the conversation is.
0: Silence, I think a lot of people have a difficult thing with, so if you stop talking, The minute you stop, before I answer, I've heard research, I believe, that says that it feels a lot longer for the person who's going to speak that silence than actually the person who's going to receive. Is there something around the fact that we've gotten so used to following up what somebody else says too quickly? Are we overemphasizing on coming back this fast?
1: Yeah, for anybody who has a problem with interrupting, there's a great little exercise, which is simply take a very deep breath, Before you speak every time, which is good for the voice anyway, because your voice is just breath. And it gives you a fraction of a second. I wouldn't say count to 10, count to three. It's very easy to get into the habit of, and then you might just realize the other person's still talking at that moment. And give yourself that opportunity to stop and not override them and interrupt them.
0: Obama is an incredible speaker, he's very good at pausing. I've sometimes tried to copy that in my workplace because I think he's an amazing speaker. But I find that people are not used to it. So the minute you do what I jokingly call an Obama pause, like somebody goes and interrupts you right away because they're they're so used to everything
1: happening so fast. Depends on the pace of the conversation. I love doing that on stage when, of course, I'm running the pace of the conversation (laughs) because there's nothing coming back. And you can pause for the longest time in front of people. Mm -hmm. It's most people's fear of public speaking is to lose their way, dry up, not have anything to say. You can pause for 20, 30 seconds and the audience will just sit there going, oh, that's quite nice. What am I going to have for lunch? (laughs) You know, they they have that moment to recalibrate themselves as well. And if you then say, I'm so sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. Please bear with me a moment. I'm just going to consult my notes. They're fine with it. You know, it's not a problem. People tend to feel they have to fill every second with ums and uhs and babble. And it really is not a powerful way to speak. I won't be speaking very much tomorrow about speaking because I'm assuming these people run organizations and they're all probably much better at speaking than they are at listening. So back to the listening talk, one fifth of the views. That is the area we need to focus on and that's why I called it the listening organization.
0: Do you think there is a power in when you're communicating with people to let a couple of seconds pass between what they have said and you speaking next.
1: Yes, it can look very wise. Mm-hmm. You know, um, silent people in meetings can either be Buddha-like or perceived as not very contributory and uh, a bit thick. So you have to be. Uh, you know, there's silence be careful there's which silence. of the two you are. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, um, but if, if what you say generally is valuable when you say it, then people start waiting for your contributions. And I think pausing to think is a very good thing to do. But I don't want to dictate. I mean, there are people who are very fast-paced. And, they, you know, when you're with somebody who's speaking like this, you need to speak very quickly too. Mm-hmm. And there are people who are very, very slow. And you need to slow down when you're with them. So it's, you know, we all have our own styles. One of the things I will say tomorrow is that you always speak into a listening. Explain what you mean well, you have a listening for me right now, I'm yep. speaking into that. And if yep. I'm asking myself, what's the listening, which right now is very attentive, uh, then I'm able to hit the bullseye with talking, with speaking that's actually appropriate for the listening. Now, if you were um, just off a flight and from Australia and really struggling to stay awake and so forth, I'd probably be a lot more energetic and uh, try and give you a lot more energy in what I'm saying. On the other hand, uh, if you're extremely excited about it, I might cool down a little bit, um, you know, or I might meet you in it, but whatever I'm doing, it's asking the question, what's the listening? You know, With an audience of older people, I will use slightly different language, I might have a different pace, and so forth. I might dress differently. You know, It's all about what's the, lang- what's the listening I'm gonna be speaking into, how can I make my speaking appropriate? That is such a powerful concept to take into any talk, any conversation, indeed. For the audience and for what you're trying to achieve with that audience. Yeah, and what they're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. Because you need to ask that as well. Yes. What do they want? Because it's not about you, ever, standing on a stage. It's never about me. It's about what can I give to these people? Mm -hmm. What do they want to achieve? How can I help them to achieve their goals? As as soon as it becomes about looking good, that doesn't work. And the other big, conversation killer, listening killer, and and hole in the bucket of speaking is being right as well. Those two things, looking good and being right, they're very dangerous indeed.
0: That makes sense. Other ideas to people who are speaking?
1: Can I just say, Maasai, I'm going to have to stop in a moment because we need to uh, go go and prepare. Yes. Sorry, give me that one again. Just
0: last note, that's completely fine. Just last uh, tips and tricks for somebody who's going on stage to speak. Oh, okay. Somebody who wants to be as good as you are speaking on stage.
1: Well, uh, I call it PPD. Um, I've just actually launched my first ever um, video training course online because I want to travel a bit less. I had a pulmonary embolism last year. Jane and I have a five-year-old now, daughter. She's just turned five and she's just started school. Mm. So doing this all the time, coming around the world and traveling, it's a lovely thing to do up to a point, but now we want to uh, get the message across without doing that so much. So uh, yes, I've got a seven and a half hour course online now, and the last chapter of that is all about this. It's about public speaking. Um, There's a chapter from Jane about being fit to speak, of course, as a world champion martial artist, it's important to be physically right Mm -hmm. and nutrition hydration you know if you want to speak well these are important things to get right warm up warm up the voice which you know I did in my TED talk on speaking Um, PPD practice it's like anything if you practice you'll become good and you'll get less nervous so I don't get nervous anymore when I go on stage in front of thousands of people I get excited but not nervous because pretty much everything that could go wrong has gone wrong in the past <laughs> and I've managed to deal with it <clears throat> and I'm still here you know so I yes. know that I can survive these things so practicing public speaking as a whole join toastmasters or get a buddy group together and you know come around my house every Wednesday and we'll we'll talk and critique each other uh, that kind of thing get a coach singing coach voice coach drama coach uh, public speaking coach there are people all around, you know, if you Google, and it's amazing to me, you know, I get people to put their hands up. How many people in the audience have to do this public speaking? Very often three quarters. Mm-hmm. How many of you have had vocal training of any kind? Two or three people. That is a massive mismatch.
0: Because we think it's only if we're going to sing.
1: Yeah. But it, this is an instrument yeah. that we all play. And it is extraordinary to me that we don't teach it in school and that we don't take it seriously. If we're using this to inspire people, lead people, uh, sell, whatever it might be, uh, you know, grow our organization, be a great parent.
0: And very practical, if I'm gonna find a voice coach, what kind of coach would you recommend that I find?
1: Well, I think Google all the things I just said yeah. and phone them up and see which ones you find a good rapport with okay. and book four or five sessions, single tryout sessions. Mm-hmm with different kinds. It might be a singing coach, it might be a, a drama coach, uh, it might be a presentation coach. They're all going to have different a- angles on the thing, but they'll all focus here. And then you'll find one that you really like, mm-hmm. and then book a series mm-hmm. with that person. Okay. So just try out different um, different avenues with that, and it'll work well. It's really worth doing. So that's practice, becoming a good speaker. Uh, prepare when you know you've got a a talk to do, there's content to think about, what's the listening you're going to speak into, what's the intention of these people, how can I serve it, what do I want to get out of this, Um, and uh, what do I want to give them specifically, and once you've got the content right, you know, um, the big idea, the so what, all these sorts of important aspects to it, and you, you... refine it and refine it and refine it, then you rehearse. And that is crucial. Rehearsing until you bleed, actually. Rehearsing as if for real. You know, standing in front of a screen if you're using slides or just standing in front of a sofa if it's pretending to be an audience and rehearsing the thing so that you feel really confident. The first TED talk I ever did back in 2007, I think, I mean, I rehearsed it dozens and dozens and dozens of times. So when I walked onto the stage, and that is a scary audience. Oh, there's Steve Jobs, Oh, there's uh, Larry Page, or oh, you know, there's Jeff Bezos. Um, it's a scary audience. You need to know that you're not gonna fall over, that you feel comfortable, and then you can jazz. Then you can enjoy the experience and be in the moment and actually make it sing, as opposed to scripted and and flat and formal. So rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. And once you've done those things, then, it's about executing, as Olympic athletes would say. This is all an athlete does. Mm. Practice, prepare, and they call it execute. And well, I'm saying practice, prepare, deliver. Mm. And the deliver, as you walk on, there's an important acronym here, BESS, which is breathe, big, deep breath. That's the fuel for your voice, and it's also very good for nerves. Expand your awareness so that you're in peripheral vision. You're seeing the whole room, not focused on one person, mm. seeing the whole room that takes some practice, but it's really powerful. Uh, And then stance, so you walk on, my visualization is a string in my head, so I'm dangling from a string, that automatically puts your shoulders back and down, nice relaxed stance, and roots from the feet going into the ground, which stops all these little irrelevant walking abouts that are actually distracting. I mean, I'm not saying don't move, some people like to pace, that's fine, whatever is natural for you, but not walking round and round on the spot mm. aimlessly, you know, being unconscious. And the final S is smile. I'm happy to be here. Hello, everyone, you know, and they smile back and you have a connection. Amazing
0: insights. Very last question. Have you delivered one of the most viewed speeches ever on communications, how to speak so that people listen. Do you feel extra pressure as, John, uh, as Jimmy Oliver would making food or as Gordon Ramsay would making food? Do you feel extra pressure going on stage because now you have to be perfect?
1: Not now. Uh, that talk, that was pressure. Yeah. If you're going to talk at TED about talking well, that is putting your head above <laughs> the parapet, seriously, isn't it? You can get it shot off, no problem at all. So that was something I, I spent a lot of time on that talk, and I'm really glad I mean, I, I, I did that as well as I could do it, and it's, you know gone completely ballistic. It's amazing, 40 million views or something. Um, no, I don't feel pressure now, because I love doing what I do. I love this connection with the audience. I love opening their ears. I mean, hopefully, every time I do this, it's transformative. People often come up to me after I talk and say, that was, it's obvious, but I never thought of it before. Well, that's great. That's what I want. It's like opening the ears. It's suddenly seeing another color or having another sense available. Uh, That's what I want to achieve for people. And it's a lot of fun doing that. So I love it. And and also it's part of a, a practice of consciousness and awareness. And if you're not conscious standing on a stage in front of 2000 people, when are you going to be conscious? Uh, So I find it very helpful in my practice of being a conscious human being to be doing this. It helps me, and that's the way I take it. That's what I'm seeking to grow in all the time.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Julian. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers.